Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, there you are, and welcome back to the table. Today, we're having an appetizer episode. I'm taking a familiar word and flipping it sideways, guiding us to come at that word from a different angle, so perhaps we can see it in ways we've never thought of before. Today's word is tunnel. I like tunnels. I like exploring them. I like driving through them. I think this goes all the way back to my childhood. When I was growing up, our family usually went to one of two places every now and then for a few days vacation. Jekyll Island off the Georgia coast and the Great Smoky Mountains. It was probably there that I experienced my first tunnel. And tunnels still fascinate me. There's something about building a road right into a side of a mountain that I just dig, pun intended. Uh, For me, tunnels are synonymous with national parks. Some of my favorite tunnels can be found in one. For example, in 2019, I visited Glacier National Park in Montana, spent about nine days in Glacier, And if you've ever visited Glacier, you know that one of the most iconic features of the park is the incredible Going to the Sun Road. It's an engineering marvel. This road crosses the Continental Divide at Logan's Pass and connects the west side of the park to the east side. But because of the heavy snows in the northern Rockies, this road often does not open until the last week of June. Now, we were visiting Glacier about that time, and we were on the next to last day of our trip, and it looked like the going to the Sun Road was not going to open before we left. They never announced the opening of the road until the day of, so I decided we could just drive over to the entrance to the road, our next to last day, just in case. And when we got there that morning, the road was still not open for driving. But it could be hiked. So we put on our hiking boots and started up the road for a 12-mile round-trip adventure. It was a great day. Hiking up the Continental Divide on asphalt. One of my favorite parts was when we hiked through the East Side Tunnel. Tunnel acoustics are perfect for singing. And what better song to sing than the hills are alive with the sound of music. It was pure, spontaneous magic. Still one of my favorite days of all days. I think I enjoyed hiking through that tunnel better than driving through it the next day because the road officially opened that day, the last day we were there. Another one of my favorite national park tunnels can be found in southern Utah, in Zion National Park. The Zion Tunnel is another engineering marvel. It's a little over a mile long. 
And because it has three slight curves within the tunnel, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel from one end to the other. Now, I first drove into Zion in May of 1986 after receiving my master's degree, and I did not return again until this summer. And I tell you, driving through Zion Tunnel was exciting for me the second time as it had been 35 years earlier. I like tunnels. They bear testimony to tons of hard work, literally. Blood, sweat, tears, adversity, prolonged seasons in the dark, resilience, and undaunted spirit. Because when you're digging a tunnel, you can't help but encounter the unexpected. No matter what the architectural plans were, you won't know what you'll find in a mountain until you're beneath the ground. Most all the tunnels I have been through had purpose. Just like the chicken that crosses the road and everybody seems to be asking why they do that, most tunnels are built to get to the other side. That's what really blows my mind about the Zion Tunnel. The Zion Mount Carmel Highway and the Zion Tunnel were built from 1927 to 1930 to grant access into Zion Canyon from the eastern side. And it is amazing to me that this one-mile tunnel broke out of the side of that mountain into that canyon right where it needed to be. A couple of weeks ago, I finished reading a little book about the construction of that tunnel, and I thought to myself, I feel like I'm digging a tunnel right now. For quite some time, I have felt like I'm digging a tunnel, and I'm not sure where it's going to come out on the other side. Sometimes I even think maybe it's not. Have you ever felt that way? I know I'm not the first. And if that's where you are, I hope today's episode is uplifting. But I also want to encourage you, if you've not done so already, to visit a counselor. Seek a licensed professional. Right now I'm visiting my counselor about once a month, and I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. The past 18 months have been challenging. The majority of my friends have a 2020-2021 story to tell. Uh, you may feel like you're in your tunnel all alone, but let me assure you, you are not alone. I love what New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says. He says, embrace lament. Lament is a central part of our faith. Some psalms come out the other side into the light, and sometimes they simply don't. They stay in the dark. And there's a sense that God is with us in that darkness. I know of at least two individuals in the Bible whose journey led them into an unexpected tunnel. The first is Joseph. Joseph is 17 years old when the Bible picks up his story in 13 of the last 14 chapters of the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, Genesis 37 through 50. You may know the beginning of the story. Joseph was the next to youngest of 12 brothers. He was his father's favorite son. He was so favored, his dad Jacob made him a coat of many colors. As far as we know, this was something Jacob had never done before. None of his other sons were given such an extravagant gift. And about that same time, God gave Joseph some incredible dreams. And naively, I believe, Joseph made the mistake of sharing his dreams. He's just 17 years old. He shares his dreams with his brothers because they were in the dream. 
The first dream he had went something like this, and I can imagine him telling it this way. Like, hey guys, listen to this. In my dream, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave stood up like it had legs and feet, and all of y'all's sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. What do you think of that? Well, not much. The Bible says they hated Joseph all the more. This animosity continued to build up over time until one day Joseph's 10 older brothers were, were away from home tending their father's flock and Jacob sent Joseph to check on them. And it says in the Bible they saw Joseph coming from a distance. It was probably the multicolored coat that gave him away. And when they saw him coming, they plotted to kill him. They ganged up on Joseph, tossed him into a cistern, into a pit. And then they made the decision to sell their little brother into slavery to some caravan traders en route to Egypt. And thus began Joseph's misadventure. Even though his brothers raised him out of the pit they had earlier tossed him into, that pit was the beginning of Joseph's tunnel. It would be years before Joseph broke out on the other side where God's dreams for Joseph became Joseph's reality. You see, the pit you imagine yourself to be in may prove to be a tunnel to the rest of your story and the best of your story. The pit God allowed you to be thrown into can become a tunnel of redemption. That's just what God does with our pits, with our valleys. He's very good at redeeming painful, difficult circumstances and surprising us with unexpected good. His good doesn't erase all the pain, but somehow, in ways really only God understands, His redemption brings a measure of healing. And sometimes I do not feel as though I am walking through the valley of the shadows so much as I am being drilled like a tunnel into the mountainside that casts that shadow. And that's where I am right now. I know God is moving towards something new. I know that what God has allowed, He is redeeming. Am I there yet? I wish. How much further do I have to go? I don't know. I may be about to break out on the other side to a brand new canyon. I may be two feet away. Or I may be two years. As I often say, it's God and I'm just along for the ride. And that's where you are. If you're in a tunnel, that, those is my, my situation is your situation. You never know when you're about to break out to the other side. And we looked at Joseph's tunnel. Real quick, I want to look at another tunnel in Scripture, Job's. Job's tunnel began on a single day when he lost all ten of his adult children as well as all of his wealth. He was left with his wife and his health. Then came round two and he lost his health as well. And in the biblical book that bears his name, Job goes through 37 chapters seeking God, asking questions, demanding answers, being drilled inch upon inch into the mountain that created his valley of the shadow. And Job's story is visceral. It's honest. It's real. This past spring, I led a group through Job's story. I called it Wrestling with God in the Season of Job. It began when Job's world fell apart 
and then he hit the first immovable immovable boulder when the words of men become as empty as God is silent. And then he came to what seems to be the most difficult part of any dark night of the soul when Job couldn't seem to find God. It's recorded in Job chapter 23. He says this, he says, I can't find God. If I go to the west, he's not there. If I go to the east, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. He says, I've looked in all directions. I can't find God. That was in Job chapter 23. And then comes Job chapter 28. Job goes deep in this chapter, literally. He talks about mining, mining for precious metals, precious stone. And we get a fascinating glimpse at ancient mining practices. Job 28, it says, he says these words. He says, there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth, copper is smelted from ore, man puts an end to the darkness, he searches the farther recesses for ore in the blackest darkness, far from where people dwell, he cuts a shaft in places forgotten by the foot of man. Far from men, he dangles and sways. The image there is being in an ore bucket down into a a dark tunnel, a, a dark pit, a mine shaft. He goes on to say, man's hand assaults the flinty rock and lays bare the roots of the mountains. He tunnels through the rock. His eyes see all its treasures. He searches the sources of the rivers and brings hidden things to light. He says this is what happens when we go into a mine, when we go into a tunnel, but then he flips it. He says, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? He says, God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. In Job 23, Job said, I can't find God, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And then in Job 28, he goes spelunking off into this mine shaft, into this tunnel, and he's not looking for fool's gold or man's gold. He's looking for God's gold. He's looking for wisdom. It's as if Job is coming to understand, you know, I'm in this tunnel. I don't know where God is, but I am beginning to sense what God is doing. As he talked about the mining practices, it's like, you know, what man so desperately searches for, gold, silver, sapphires, rubies, God is making us through this suffering. Just as with real gold, it is buried for now in our pain and our brokenness, somewhere in that tunnel. But it is there, and it will be revealed if and when God chooses to mine it, to break that tunnel out on the other side, to bring it to the surface But buried deep within, it is already changing us and enriching us 
even though it's not seen the light of day and made it to the surface yet. Again, Job 28, 23, God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. So when you can't find God, God is right there working in the tunnel of your darkness. You just need to be still and know it is so. What Job thinks is lost, God's presence, God's wisdom, is being forged from within. I love what Corey Tin Boone, Holocaust survivor, what she said one time. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. One final word of encouragement. Don't overlook this truth. There is more than one way to move a mountain, y'all. There's more than one way to move a mountain. Sometimes mountains are moved one shovel load at a time. So I just want to encourage you, as I encourage myself, keep tunneling. Keep tunneling. I hope to be back next Wednesday morning with a brand new podcast guest. That's the goal every week, to be on every Wednesday. This summer it's been a little bit of a challenge to keep that goal, but uh, we're going to keep we're going to keep tunneling. We're going to keep pressing forward. hope to see you next Wednesday morning. I also encourage you to look for opportunities to host Tables of Redemption of your own. They are out there all the time. And just be looking to, to bring somebody to your table, wherever you are, wherever your table happens to be. As we close out today, I want to circle back around to our podcast two weeks ago when we had Jarrett McCrory, the Executive Director of Children's Hope, the orphanage in Haiti. A few days after that episode released, as you probably know, a 7.2 earthquake struck Haiti. Not too far from the epicenter where the earthquake hit the hardest, that is where Jacques Mall is located and where that orphanage happens to be. And I just want to circle back around because there is a special emphasis going on right now with Children's Hope. If you give $100 to Children's Hope, you have the opportunity to win a phenomenal guitar built uh, by my good friend uh, Hank Tuton. Uh, it's It's been valued at $20,000. It's an absolutely beautiful guitar, of the Hope guitar, and it's being given away to everybody who gives $100 to Children's Hope, you have the opportunity to win this $20,000 guitar. I, I've already uh, I've already given. Uh, I hope to be the one to win it. I've been praying about what to do with that guitar if, if I should happen to be the one. But just spread that word. And I want to close this out here by uh, listening for just a couple of moments to recording artist Aaron Schust. He is one of many artists who have played this guitar and who has promoted Children's Hope. So we close out with Aaron, and we look forward to seeing you back here next Wednesday morning when you hear Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Until then, God bless you. Hey, this is Aaron Chews. This is a beautiful guitar, and I want to take a moment to tell you about a ministry called Children's Hope. Children's Hope cares for children and families in Haiti in a couple different ways. There's a children's home, there's a medical clinic, uh, the three schools that they work with that they have, and also they partner with uh, churches 
local churches there in the community. There's a way that you can help as well. There's going to be a fundraiser event, a concert, uh, this September, very soon in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, with Shane and Shane. Now, it's not only an in-person event, it's also online, so we can all be a part of it. Now, the icing on the cake is that one attender, one fortunate attender is going to have a chance to win this beautiful guitar, this exact guitar. This uh, is made from Baruch guitars right there in Montgomery. Baruch is Hebrew for blessing. It's made from Brazilian rosewood. We have some olive wood from Bethlehem, actually from Bethlehem up here. And my favorite part is the silhouette of children, um, actual silhouettes from children from Haiti right here on the headstock. So um, we want you to be a part of this, be a part of this event. You have a chance to win this guitar. You can um, learn about the, the ministry, a lot more about the ministry, the event, and this guitar at childrenshope.com. Peace.